The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hello, and welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. Thanks so much for listening. Really glad you could be here today. And do I have a show for you? I've been so excited about this show because for the first time on Story Powered, we're talking social media. Yep, I have not covered this topic before because I wanted to get just the right guest for the conversation and I found him or more accurately, he found me and I'm very glad. So um, we will be talking to David Giannetto, who is the author of Big Social Mobile, how digital initiatives can reshape the enterprise and drive business results. And we'll be doing that in just a second. Um, But first, I want to say thank you so much to my guest from last week, Sean Callahan from Anecdote. Sean and I had such a great chat about selling with story. Um, you know, the whole topic of sales is is often uncomfortable, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a, a member of a sales department. We're all trying to figure out this brand new world where engagement is key and we're pushing and, and selling hard is not welcome. So it was a really great chat. We talked about how to use story. It's a really effective tool for selling and not looking like you're selling, um, not in a... Um, uh, inauthentic way though we, we talked a lot about authenticity and integrity so it's a really great show for you to check out you can have a listen to that on the on-demand library on the story powered page but of course I'm going to ask you not to do that just yet because after the story of the week I'll be talking to David and we'll be talking about the new social consumer and how businesses need to reposition their social media um, as well as business efforts to meet the needs of the new social consumer so we're going to talk about that in just a sec but here's the story of the week first So, the story of the week is called The Mechanic and the Surgeon Story. A heart surgeon took his car to his local garage for regular service, where he usually exchanged a little friendly banter with the owner, a skilled but not especially wealthy mechanic. So tell me, says the mechanic, I've been wondering about what we both do for a living and how much more you get paid than me. Yes, says the surgeon. Well, look at this, says the mechanic, as he worked on a big, complicated engine. I check how it's running, open it up, fix the valves, and put it all back together so it works good as new. We basically do the same job, don't we? And yet you're paid 10 times more than what I am. How do you explain that? The surgeon thought for a moment and, smiling gently, replied, Try it with the engine running. So, I like this story because to me, social media is a bit like heart surgery. The engine is always running. It's different from traditional marketing, which I absolutely love. So, this isn't about a comparison, better or worse. I love coming up with copy for a poster. I love design work, all of that. But you have time to do all of that. Whereas social media 
is always running. It is always going. Um, it's it's the beauty of it is it's 24-7 and the challenge of it is that it's 24-7. We're constantly on the go. It's changed the pace of marketing and engagement and um, we need to think about how that impacts us in terms of our businesses. And, uh, you know, just because the engine's always running, does it always mean we're being in sales? Not necessarily. But if not, how do we measure our success in social media? So traditionally, um, you know, we would measure the effectiveness of a campaign by the number of sales we got. Is that different now? So today, I'm delighted to be talking with David Giannetto about this young world of social media. We may may have had it for a few years, but it's still early days yet. We're going to talk about where we are now, where we might get to go. And how we can truly leverage our digital relationships. So David Giannetto is the author of three books, including the newly released Big Social Big Social Mobile. As I said, it's how digital initiatives can reshape the enterprise and drive business results. He's considered one of today's leading practitioners helping organizations leverage the power of information analytics, enterprise data, big data, and the merger of the two. His work with some of today's leading brands has led him to being named a thought leader by the American Management Association, Business Finance Magazine, and Consumer Goods Technology Magazine. He's known for combining technology with progressive techniques that connect organizations and their digital initiatives, big data, social media, and mobile technology to their customers to create differentiation, influence behavior, and improve performance. He's a frequent keynote speaker, a writer for the Huffington Post and the AMA, a former U.S. Business Review columnist, and MBA professor of Rutgers University. David, welcome to Story Powered. Hi, thanks for having me. So glad to have you here. So it's an exciting world, this this uh, digital world and social media. What's your story? How did you get into it, and, and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, I got into it in a very roundabout sort of way. Uh, I'm not actually a social media practitioner at all. I come from the business intelligence analytics or the information space, and I've been there for about uh, 15, 16 years working with Mostly large, really progressive thinking brands, but uh, you know some smaller organizations as well. But the thing that unifies them is uh, they all appreciate that really information is is the commodity of today, and how well they gather it, use it, and and allow it to influence the way they interact with the market is really the key to success. And uh, I've been trying to to help companies do this for a long, long time. And in fact, the origin of Big Social Mobile came about six years ago. I was leading an initiative with the Global Strategic Management Institute uh, and working with social media practitioners from, from good organizations, you know, Staples, Wells Fargo, the NCAA, big companies that everyone would know. And we were trying to get them to, to really adopt the methodology that ended up in the book, which is ha- taking this and really embedding it into the DNA of an organization, not allowing social media at the time uh, to run in an isolated or segregated fashion. And, and five or six years ago, that was pretty revolutionary. It, it's still cutting edge. It's still what companies are trying to do even today. But five, six years ago, it was a miserable failure. Uh, I have to admit. Right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I really was completely unsuccessful. So I went. You were ahead out. of the curve. You were <laughs> ahead of the curve. That often happens. Yeah. But I was lucky that I was able to go back into the market work with some great clients and um, really pull apart this question of how would you go about doing it if you wanted to use social media to really bolster what was differentiating or unique about your company. If you wanted to use it to create tangible results, you know, more customers, more revenue, more profit, higher customer lifetime value, very real business things that executives 
understand. And that's really where executives have moved to in five or six years. So when I'm talking about it today, executives are nodding your head and saying, yes, yes, that's what I've been asked for, been asking for from my social or mobile or big data practitioners, but they can't give it to me. So the mm. book really um, provides a method for adopting it within an organization and really doing those kind of things. Nice. And, and you know, your uh, focus on business intelligence and integration is really why um, you were the right guest to me uh, for this show, because I, I have a similar viewpoint around story. And, um, you know, I, I frame story as a superpower because it get you can get people to do things for good or evil. Um, however, I the, the framework for story powered is that um, we can have a story powered business. And so for me, story needs, to, it's similar to social media and I'm obviously attached, but it needs to be embedded in order for us to grab the rich information, utilize it, share it, um, and, and use it for engagement. So I love your take on social media, that it's not just the front end, you know, get the 21-year-old because they know about social media. It, it's bigger than that, right? Yeah, it's really part of a much bigger movement. And I love the philosophy of your show because no matter what we do on the back end with data, analytics, information, process change, all that kind of stuff doesn't matter if we're not connecting to the consumer the right way. So everything that I'm doing is really about how do you create deeper, more lasting connections with the consumer, and and that really boils down to your story. So you've you've got to understand what they're interested in, social, mobile, and big data to help you do that more effectively than ever before. But in the end, you've got to internalize that and turn around and reflect it in how you're talking to consumers, uh, how deeply you're connecting. And and it's not what people think. It's not a superficial connection that works anymore. Mm -hmm. The best brands are building very deep emotional connections. They're even influencing the emotion of their consumer base. Uh, so, so the story is kind of the, the touch point between all this stuff that works on the back end and making it actually mean something. Absolutely. Now, you've worked with some big clients. Can I put you on the spot and, and ask you for an example of a company that's doing that well, that's using social media and story to create a, that deeper emotional connection? Sure. There's, um, there's a lot of different examples out there, and uh, I, a good friend of mine is a boxer, and he just was inducted into the New York State um, Boxing Hall of Fame. And oh, wow. Yeah, nice. it's, it's really an amazing career, and he went on to be a promoter and did, did a lot of great things really outside the boxing world, but still connected to the, what he's passionate about. And it's interesting because very progressive brands can use his history almost against him because, you know, somebody like that is, grew up really athletic, uh, loved going to the gym, still loves it, still part of what he does. When he goes there, he feels kind of this, this emotional uplift. And the really progressive brands can actually tell that that is happening in a person mm. through, their, through their behaviors and some of the data that comes out of big data, some of the insights that come out of big data. So now you can start to play upon that emotional feeling the person has and start to associate your brand with it. It's a very soft way to create a deeper emotional connection by attaching to something that's already important to the consumer. Um, and that's how we do it on a very personal level. Procter & Gamble did it really well by connecting to a bullying stinks campaign, which yeah. is clever because they have the secret women's deodorant brand, and that's what they tied it to. Um, and bullying is something people are very passionate about, um, probably more so than they are about their deodorant choice. So yeah. it's a way to bolster your brand by connecting it. And we've even seen it in the news 
with some of the more controversial stances that companies came out and took on the Religious Freedom Act, where they came out very vocally and said, we are against this, we won't support it, we won't do business in those states if they continue this. And um, what they're really doing is connecting with the emotional sentiment of the population in general. And in that case, of course, they're, they're associating themselves with something that's fairly safe because most people did a, disagree with it in principle. So that's why you're seeing more and more companies come out on the side of even um, things that seem at first unrelated to their brand. Right. And and so, you know, and you use the word soft, and I wanted to pick up on that because we often call that, you know, those are the soft skills and versus hard business skills. And it's really interesting that, um, and I think social media has, has been a big driver of maneuvering um, business toward those more if we want to call them soft i personally think they're they're like you emotions it that's complicated stuff that you got to be really skilled to be able to utilize emotions so but it, it's interesting how we've um and it's now kind of having an impact on company culture don't you think like that now that yeah. you, when you talk about that integration you're talking about bringing that emotional side the the brand and the company actually has to understand it first in order to utilize it which is yeah. a really interesting development. Yeah, it, it is really a complete change. And I don't think that a lot of business leaders really understand just how, just how deep this change is going. We could spend hours, you know, days, we could spend entire shows talking about this historic yeah. relationship between corporations and consumers and how companies always had the upper hand. But social was really the first big crack, and then mobile really pushed it apart. And now consumers really have the upper hand over companies, Companies aren't sure how to react to that. So they're struggling because in, in the old days, their sales and marketing techniques did not really have to reflect the cultural beliefs of the organization. Right. But yeah. now, because consumers do have that upper hand, they can share information predominantly via social channels completely outside of a company. They can, yeah. you know, we've even seen when somebody hacks a Twitter chat and you suddenly have somebody just glomming on to the fact that a brand is doing bad things that they're not talking about. We just saw that with, with the writer of Fifty Shades of Grey. We just saw that happen to her and, and the big uh, pushback against her. So, yeah, tell us about that. Tell us that a little bit about that for those yeah, who haven't heard it. Yeah, it does happen uh, from time to time. You know, I, I live in New Jersey, so I grew up as a Philadelphia Flyers fan. And uh, anyone in the Northeast knows that the Flyers and the Penguins um, don't exactly get along. So it happened to the Penguins because the Flyers fans jumped onto their Twitter chat. But most recently it happened to, to the author of Fifty Shades of Grey because she's been highly criticized as having um, borrowed or, or some people feel just directly stolen a lot of her ideas for her books that became so popular uh, from other more popular writers. And she's been highly criticized as not being a very good writer. So hey. she was uh, using Twitter chat um, to promote her new book, which is from, uh, from the other character's perspective. And a bunch of folks just came on and, and started asking the question about, um, about you know, her writing style, where she gets her ideas from, and, and she chose to avoid those things. So you could read the Twitter chat and see her ignoring those issues really caused people to become enraged by the fact that she not only not only did they believe she she wasn't a great writer and that she was a lot of it was not her content but they really started to become aggravated by the fact that she wouldn't address it in an honest fashion so that's really what blew it over the top if she had 
had an answer for it ahead of time and had dealt with it straightforwardly, um, they wouldn't have become so enraged. I mean, that's the pattern that we see. What consumers want is transparency. And if your brand is, is clearly aligned, you know, if the core and culture of your brand is aligned with the message you deliver in the market, then this is simple. But when you have some sort of a disconnect between what you believe and what you're doing internally, you know, either ethical or social issues you're turning a blind eye to, uh, eventually that's going to come out. And (laughs) the savvy consumers uh, will hold it against you. It's interesting because for the first time, we have quantitative proof that there is a tangible increase, about an 80% increase in the stock value of public companies who are more transparent. Wow, that's significant. It is. It's massive. Huge. This generation is the first generation that has come out and shown that they really will put their money where their heart is. Yeah. I'm sad to say my generation, you know, our big issue of the day was was, um, going green or not to go green. Will we pay more for more environmentally friendly products? And I have to say my generation... Um, showed clearly that they will not pay more for more environmentally more environmentally friendly products. This new generation has changed. They they yes. will not support companies who who don't have a good moral or ethical stance. That's right. That's right. And it's interesting because um, you know. And again, if you're if you're the you know larger companies, and we've seen it with um, so for example McDonald's, you know their recent whole campaign about being happy. Uh, they've even embedded it on their tables. I mean, they've 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 had huge profit issues, and they finally realized that they have to become more heartfelt. But but the challenge is is that people don't believe them necessarily, right? Like it's it's really hard for companies who've lived in that previous world and and really competed on price, which is like you say, our generation we, price was was uh, usually the deciding factor because we could shop around and go, oh, that's three cents less or do a price match or whatever. This new generation ain't buying it. So um, you know, how does a company go from being less transparent about their products and things like that? in this new world and and again on social media in terms of how how people interact with them i mean what's what's going to happen for these big companies do you think well they're going to have to adjust it, it's really challenging or difficult for us to think like a a mega brand like mcdonald's could actually yeah. lose its position in that market and and of course mcdonald's is so big it would take decades but we're already seeing the erosion um just like we're seeing in some, like in the tech industry, you're seeing the erosion now with Apple. So it can happen to McDonald's, and McDonald's has just not learned very well. This is a company that's very scientific and very nuanced in how they went to market with their brand and and even their focus on smell and atmosphere uh, within their stores. They they were really on top of the game, but then once the rules of the game changed, and again because consumers became more educated. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't really adapted to it. So I, I think you can do it one or two ways, but there has to be this wake-up moment, and it can come internally either from the top down once they see the results and, and executives really get on board. It can come from, let's say, mid-management up if you have a really creative, thoughtful leader in the, mid, in the middle management ranks that sees that these things can be used in tangible revenue or profit-producing ways, then that'll get the organization on board 
or what more often happens is one of their competitors starts to get on board. And <laughs> that's really the risk because when a company starts to do these things right, when they behave as what I call a big social mobile enterprise, the connection is so much deeper with consumers that almost overnight all other brands in that industry are behind the curve. It's really hard to seem genuine and sincere when you're coming along after the fact. True. That's right. Oh, this is great, David. So we're going to take a, a little break now, but after the break, we're going to start talking about the social consumer because um, we're talking a little bit about companies and their need to change. But um, the reason why is because we have a new type of consumer and David's going to help us with that after the break. So I'm Liam Pico and you're listening to Story Powered on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want more story, you can sign up for my monthly story blast at verygoodstories.com. I'd love to connect with you. Um, please also feel free to send me any questions you have about stories at leanne at verygoodstories.com. So we'll be back very shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more, old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Great leaders today have certain capabilities that set them apart. These leaders have discovered transformational leadership. Now you can discover the same ideas, insights, and programs that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership, hosted by Kate Ebner, is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore these stories and concepts every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hey, welcome back. It's Leanne Pico, your host. I'm chatting today with David Gianetto, author of Big Social Mobile. And uh, before the break, we were talking about um, companies and how they're having to reposition themselves a little bit. Uh, we've moved from um, uh, a, a place of kind of um, 
business air quotes to heart centered businesses and using heart, you know, emotional connection with our clients. And I, I for one love it because, um, you know, I'm a story gal and that's where the, uh, the emotions lie, but it's, it's, so there's, there's probably about that, but like, like, uh, David was saying before the break, we have a new kind of buyer, um, whether it's B2B or B2C, people are buying with their hearts. They're using uh, different criteria to judge the companies that they're wanting to purchase from. And that's having a big impact on business and is part of the reason why um, they're having to shift the way they work. Um, so, David, tell us what a, a social consumer is and how are they different from past consumers? They're certainly quite a bit different. First, you have just the demographics. Uh, A social consumer, anyone under 35, is almost definitely a social consumer, and that means that they use social media, mobile technology, uh, or or just information readily available to them on the web. Because if you go to Amazon, you read a bunch of reviews, that's not considered a social platform, but it is social interaction that's giving you additional information that you might not otherwise have gotten, or if you... You watch somebody's video on YouTube. Uh, so somebody that's using that type of information, incorporating it into their buying, uh, their buying pattern or their habits, um, that's somebody we think of as a social consumer. So right there you can see that they're much more educated. They're going through a different buying process or purchase process than is a traditional consumer. And I like to I like to illustrate it with, with a, an example of the way they think differently because it's um, you know it's that soft aspect of how they think and feel and operate that is really what's tripping up companies. So a traditional consumer going out for a product, they would say, okay, l- let me see what, for example, uh, what's their customer service track record of a company like this? What's going to happen to me if I have problems with this product? Uh, how do they treat customers that have products, right? Because they want to see what the experience is going to be like for them if they have a problem. And that will be largely influential in their decision-making. But if we contrast that with a social consumer, a social consumer will say, let me see how this company treats people who have problems with their product. And then the logic follows that, do I want to associate myself with a company that treats their customers this way? They're, they're not looking at through a lens of what's going to happen to me. Now, that, right. that's going to be a piece of the puzzle. But a larger piece is how does this, how does this company treat people and do I, do I want to be associated with that people? And this is not something brand new. And that's where I always try to take companies, and especially executives, is to try to get them to understand that these behaviors are not new. They're just being carried out via different mediums. So if we think of the lifestyle brands of old, the car you drove or the golf clubs you swung or the makeup you wore, perfume, clothing, all those things said something about who we are as individuals. And when we wear that logo, it somehow we, we feel tells the world who we are because we're, we're wearing that brand on our sleeve and saying, yes, I choose, I choose to drive a BMW versus a Jag because that's the kind of person I am. Or I, I drive an environmentally friendly car because that's who I am. Or I buy a big SUV because that's who I am. And, yeah. and it's that type of lifestyle relationship that all companies have to think according to because if you just think of Facebook, when you like a brand, everyone sees that you like a brand. So the youngest social consumers will like brands simply to put out there who they are, what they believe in. 
And that, that type of thought process starts to drop off from 35 to 45. Over 45, it's, it's mostly not social consumers. Maybe over 50, it's very, very low. Uh, you mostly have people getting drawn into this because their grandkids um, you know, are on Facebook or on one of the platforms that they want to keep in touch. So it's the behaviors and the thought process, the beliefs that are significantly different. Absolutely. And it's interesting because I have a nine-year-old son. And so, um, you know, personally, I wouldn't like to define him as a consumer, but he already is. He's his, <laughs> his favorite. He is a total target. But you know what? We don't have TV. So I keep him away from the adverts, really, right? But he is huge on YouTube. So he watches YouTubers playing Minecraft and playing all sorts of other games. And he watches a young guy called, uh, who has a show called Evan Tube. And Lego mm-hmm. sends this kid the newest Lego. And he builds the Lego on the show. And so my son is like, okay, well, I need to get that because Evan Tube did that. Or right. this YouTuber said. And so it's really interesting what you're talking about because it, it's it's the pieces around, um, like it's, it's just kind of infiltrating in a way that we used to have with celebrity, but in a different way too, because if I think he would experience it differently if it was a front end sale. Right. But Lego is smart, and they're sending this this young kid these uh, you know all the newest Lego, and so all, my nine year old is like, I need that too, and um, you know his family they've got like a, a three uh, you know three hundred million dollar business, so crazy amount of business or whatever. So um, so I can see where this is going that uh, we just bypass all the traditional advertising, yeah, and that it comes to us in a, in a completely different way through people we trust. Uh, yeah, through people who seem credible to us, and and that's the seem important. Credible, yes. They they should be credible, and we hope that they are. But especially yeah. with somebody who's nine years old, yep. they're not going to understand that this very well might not be. That's Whereas right. The, yeah, there there isn't this big sponsored by uh, label on that guy's shirt when your son you is it. watching the video. But that's even right. in the book, I I talk about those techniques and social influencers is what I would call. Uh, the right. guy you're talking about are people like that. You know, it, it's almost like reality TV, but with substance. And mm-hmm. these people are people who are passionate about a certain thing, Legos or, or, or anything. You know, yep. Yep. you have um, people who review movies or television. All these different people have cropped up. Some of them gain um, followings, and now they become influential within a circle and significantly more impactful. And, it, and it's over 50% of all consumers say that they do integrate social into their buying decision-making process. I mean, the numbers are very large when we talk about the people who qualify as social consumers. And companies have to understand how do you identify who those socially influential people are that aren't, you know, newscasters or bloggers or radio hosts like yourself. How do I identify who they are within the communities that I care about? How do I reach out to them, interact with them, What's the best way to manage those relationships? And those are all you know, very specific techniques that I talk about in the book because I work with companies to help them actually do these things. So I want to, to give the real answer for how it's done in a meaningful, impactful way. Well, and that makes sense. And to bring it over to story for a second, so a lot of the the folks on social who have those great followings and have those 
are people who share their own personal stories. So, for example, one of the YouTubers that my son watches, he did a, a video of, and he does, it's Minecraft is his main one, but he did a video of showing the new house that he and his wife just bought and telling the story of his wife and him meeting. And, and so they're utilizing story in such a way that it enables you to connect powerfully with them. Like you say, um, you know, we have to be careful of that long term uh, in terms of how we do it and and be transparent again. However, that's harder for a company to do maybe. Um, so, you know, these these small startup folks have almost an advantage because they have a story and they have their own story. You know, they can connect in a way that a giant company who has, you know, um, separated out its social media department over in communications just can't get there. So one of the things I love about you and, and what you write about and what you talk about is integration into the company. And that's why this isn't just about social media. This is about business intelligence, which is if you're, if you're a big company trying to compete with a small startup who, you know, puts out three blogs a week about, you know, things that people are, you know, care about and know about and have, you know, strong stories that connect them. And then you have your social media department who can't really tell any stories because they haven't got any to give because they're so separate from the rest of the company. <laughs> like yeah. we, I can see how there's a, a big head to head, like there's a, how the big companies could be in trouble. I could see that unless they do what you talk about, which is in t- to integrate at all levels, right? Yeah. And it, a lot of times when I'm talking, people in the audience uh, are thinking that I'm only talking about big companies. But in fact, what you see is much more effective use of the techniques I'm talking about by small to mid-sized businesses because Absolutely. their story is still so much more consolidated. There's less people that are required to get their arms around it. Their communication, in a lot of ways, is still much more authentic because it's, what they, it's the idea that formed the company to begin with. And as you grow, you fragment and you add more specialists to this process of management simply because you have to do the same thing at increased velocity. Now add into it social media, mobile technology, all of them in the span of 10 years, and we've added all of these other experts. And it's hard to take the core of what is your, your differentiator, your value proposition, break it down into meaningful posts, and get people to consistently influence it. And and it's challenging for social media practitioners because that's not really what they do. They're hopefully really good with platforms and, and posts and engagement, maybe sentiment. But they're not, they're, their experience, their learning, isn't how do you move a consumer through the buying process to get them to come out as quickly as possible, to get them to buy as much as possible, and to position them for additional upsell and cross-sell. That's not what they do. So mm-hmm. social media really is a sales channel, but we're not thinking of it in those terms. So therefore we're spending incredible amounts of money. That's the expense. And we're not seeing that ROI on it. And and that's not sustainable. So that's why you have companies now going, wait, I've got a million followers and I'm not generating anything from this. Something is wrong. And it is wrong because you're putting it completely in the hands of people that, that just are not equipped to think in terms of how do we sell? most effectively. That's what salespeople do. So this blurry line between digital marketing and sales has caused a lot of problems for companies. Yeah, and so then again, like you say, like when you're starting out, you're everybody. So, and even if you're a team of three to five people, you're all really tightly knit in terms of the story of your company, why it started, 
uh, why you do your business. But like you say, that fragmentation and so, and and unfortunately, in a lot of the larger companies, that is not just it's not just fragmented; it's silos, and so yeah. there are no processes for sharing. And then and so then, who do you get a handle on in social media? I mean, who is the one? That you trust, you know. If if I'm looking at a big company and I and I can't find a face, a name, or a story that that attracts me in the way that you've talked about, you know, emotionally and and kind of you know that builds my trust, then 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 what's the point of doing social media? Well, I think that one of the ways that brands got off track, and and of course I I blame social media practitioners that focus so much on content. Um, frequency of content, the mixture of playful videos and messages mixed in with sales and marketing mm. messages, that, that they, they kind of created this impression that your company needs to be all things to all people, and that's never successful for business. Right. Uh, yes. I mean, Starbucks, one of the most successful brands in recent history, learned the hard way that they cannot be the coffee of choice for every consumer. Yeah. Um, so every company learns this at some point. And you don't need to try to be somebody's best friend, their father, their mother, their sister. You, you don't need to do that. You just have to think, how can my product or service, my brand, make somebody's life better, easier, cheaper, or just more fun? That's it. That's what they want from you. They don't want a new place to go to get jokes. I mean, they, they've yeah, got yeah. great places to go do that. So We have many kittens already. Yeah, I always joke that the internet's full of cat videos, but it's really not. It's full of sales and marketing literature, and that's not what an educated consumer needs. They can get that on their own. Yes. When when you help them think about your their life using your products or services in a new way, that's that's when you've got them. So don't yeah. don't try to be something that you're not. Just focus on what is the true differentiator and valuable about your brand. The, the good companies using these digital initiatives are actually really well and solidly grounded on what is different and special about them. They communicate that really well. They don't allow it to be fragmented on each different social platform. Because if you do that, not only are the connections better, but that transparency is easier that we talked about because your message is consistent. Everyone knows it. Um, and once you reach that point, life becomes a lot easier company yeah and and that's such a good point thank you so much for that um because you know it is one of the things that um you know starting again you know we we're still it's a bit a little bit wild west still in terms of social media and what it's for and how we use it but i do feel that and i did a, a blog post this week um about this in preparation after our we had a david and i had a a preparatory conversation and after we talked i i just started thinking about uh, my own use of social media and thinking about the whole idea of likes and that it's, it's become this weird popularity. So we went from you have to post like 20 times a day in order to get noticed. And now you have to have loads of likes, loads of likes, but it doesn't translate into sales necessarily. And so one of the things that you said to me, which was really um, important, and we've got about a minute to break, I think, um, but I, I would like to just pull this out, which is your followers are not the same as your customers. And yeah, you said absolutely. that to me and it just it just resonated with me because you know we spend so much time trying to be popular but that doesn't mean that we have solid long-standing relationships when you're popular it doesn't often you're you're swimming at the shallow end, right? 
Yeah, when you're when you write a book or you speak a lot or you write a lot, you're out in the media a lot. Sometimes it, it catches you off guard what really wakes people in your audience up. And I w- I was really shocked in the beginning when I used to stand up there and I'd say, look, your your friends and followers are not your customer. They are two different things. You know, it was almost like an aha moment that fell on them, and I was shocked. I'm, I, it really took me a long time to come to terms with, wow, you know, their mind just isn't wrapped around the fact that you've got to convert friends and followers to customers to make money. That's what this is about. That rule of business has not changed, but it's gotten so blurry that a lot of people forgot that. Well, and I think they've forgotten the sales bit. Like you say, the conversion. And for me, that's the power of the stories is often it's the story that does convert. Like you said at the top of the show, it's the thing that that enables somebody to go, do I want to, you know, I like what they say. I like how they look. I like the look of this product. The price is right for me. But do I want to align myself? Well, let me find out what their other customers have said and the stories they tell. Let me find out the story that they're telling about, you know, how they can change lives. So I just, I love that, that you, that, um, you know, that's why I enjoyed talking to you is the is the alignment between you know um moving from being in front of people to 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 the conversion and that's why i feel like stories are a really powerful tool to do that so um so so for everybody listening you know your followers and your friends are not your customers just because you have thousands of likes doesn't mean that you have lots of sales and you know that because you're sitting there pulling out your hair wondering what the heck you're doing wrong on social media you're not doing anything wrong you just need to embed a couple more tools and convert and again that's a skill set and we need to learn how to do that and we need to learn how to do it as entrepreneurs but also big companies like David has said they need to integrate their departments and figure out how to work better together to to get those sales so I think this is the way of the future for social media. I wouldn't like to see it all about sales, of course, but I just think that I would like to see it um, us using it in a more savvy way. So we're going to take a break now, and uh, we're going to come back and talk more to David, who um, I just feel all enlightened now. So, David, I can't wait to talk to you more about that. So you need to make sure you get David's book, and um, you know you want to know more about how to do this for whether you're a small business or a big business. It's Big Social Mobile. How Digital Initiatives Can Reshape the Enterprise and Drive Business Results. Keyword there, results, um, which is, you know, new. So you can get this at Amazon.com or you can also get it at www.bigsocialmobile.com. And we'll be back talking to David soon. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. 
Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. What do business and sports have in common? Both are based on competition, and the goal of each is the same, to win. If you're in business, you need an edge over your competitors. You need to innovate and improve. You need to make adjustments to stay ahead of your competition. Tune in to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Get the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. The Business Locker Room airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hey, welcome back. I'm Liam Picot, and I'm chatting with David Giannetto, author of Big Social Mobile. We're having a fascinating conversation, um, I think, in terms of the the future of social media and where it is now and and how we move forward. Um, Before the break, we were talking about sales and about utilizing social media more effectively for sales in order to increase our ROI, again, whatever size business you're in. However, we also got into a chat, and it was kind of me going on. I went on a little bit of a rant, if you didn't notice, uh, because I got so excited. I'm so excited about the idea of companies needing to change in order to um, be more accountable to their consumers. I think that's awesome. I think that's really important. Um, But I guess the question then is, and we kind of left this uh, at the end of the break, which is, is social media then all about sales for business? David, what do you think? Uh, A lot of people, you know, I think will listen to this conversation, and on the surface, that's what they'll take away, you know, when we're playing in the shallow water, like you said. But when you stop and think about it, uh, that's not really what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is if you talk honestly about what's valuable about your product, service, your brand, what you believe in, and you create that connection, then you're actually giving consumers exactly what, well, exactly what they want, because in, in the old days, the old style of marketing used to be very much about perceived value. How do we make people think that there's value here, whether it's by associating ourselves with a spokesperson, um, the logo we use, the colors, the caricatures, all those things, it, there wasn't anything of substance. Now, if you, you, if you talk to them about how you can actually help them make their life better in some way, you're, you're really not even selling anymore. You're simply sharing uh, who you are, what you believe, and what you bring to the table. Now, that's bad news for companies that have a very weak value proposition, but that's business. You know, you, mm-hmm. you really need to work on your value proposition and your differentiators. That's what strategy is. Um, so the form of communication, whether we label it as sales or not, is so much more honest that the dynamic changes between company and consumer. It, it becomes about finding consumers that have needs that you can satisfy as opposed to creating needs and consumers that don't really have them. Uh, so to me, well, while it does have to be very much more focused on generating revenue and tangible results, 
it is doing it in a much more honest way. And the upside of that is, of course, you build higher customer lifetime value when you're connecting with those type of consumers. How do you do that is a whole other issue. But um, to, to me, it doesn't feel as salesy once you understand it on a deeper level. Yeah, I agree. And, and it made me think about when we were um, talking or when you were just talking there, it made me think about one of my favorite companies who tell stories, and that's Thai Life Insurance. Have you ever seen their, their videos? Uh, it's not ringing a bell, no. Okay, so um, I'm not a consumer of Thai Life Insurance because I live in Canada. However, I'm a big consumer of their videos. So the definition of consumer is a really interesting one. And Thai Life Insurance has a series of videos that is, they're just outstanding. And they're all uh, a video about people helping other people and about making people's lives better. They're all about kindness and compassion and creating um, emotions like happiness. And so at the end of every one of their videos, videos they have just tie life insurance they don't even have a call to action and um you know i i use those videos in some of my workshops with folks who kind of go well what are they selling and i'm just you know and it's interesting because the thing they're selling is is a higher expectation of of your fellow people and a higher expectation of ourselves around kindness and and um sure i i would think they probably have lots of customers you know new new and, and um growing customers over in thailand but what's happened is you even have videos because so they're all very heartfelt. So you have to have a, a, a box of tissues near you. So I highly recommend you watch them. They're so good. <laughs> but now there's videos of people. People are videoing themselves watching the Thai life insurance videos. So you see the really? mascara running down the faces as people <laughs> are crying. Like it's 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 like a movement. It's like a movement, yeah. and it's and so, like you say, it is more honest in terms of sales. But there's also something, and we hear, you know, Ariana, Ariana Huffington and Richard Branson, and people like this talk about, about this all the time. About, you know, there's more than to the bottom line than profit, and it's about people as well and planet. Um, but it's fascinating that they're utilizing social media in such a way, like I, you can't see the direct link to how you're supposed to buy. Even, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, but that's that's a great example of the integration of social media into core business because remember consumers, right? It's all about the consumer and how they they interpret things, and that consumer is living in both the physical world and the digital world simultaneously. They're, they're going back and forth constantly, so integrating social media into your advertisement is just another way. It's it's almost like doubly reinforcing what it is your brand brings to the table and you're playing upon that emotional connection but but take a step back and think of the think of what that requires internally it requires yeah. this belief that social media is an, a strategic initiative that it will lead to greater connections which will lead to greater revenue and profitability and then you have to have the mechanics underneath the hood to to integrate all that so it is being done more and more, and a great brand that did it early and has gotten increasingly more effective at it is Dunkin' Donuts, with American Runs on Dunkin's, and they were one of the first peop- the first brands to put the regular or average consumers into their mainstream advertising. You know what we think of as television, radio, um, you know, big, big, expensive advertising, and they did that. It is interesting, right? It is thought provoking. We we like that. We get connected to it, but. They did it because the business model of Dunkin' Donuts required it. Right? They're a franchise, so the biggest problem with franchises is getting a consistent experience. 
So while the brand is very strong, if you're a franchise, you almost lose the power of that brand because people know it's a franchise and the experience will vary from one location to another. But by putting on top an overarching message that really truly connected with people, people will set aside that variable, that, that variable experience that they will have and it will increase somebody's likelihood of connecting to the brand. And that means they'll go into one location after another, even though the experience might not be perfect in all of them, but they're so connected that they don't want to go somewhere else. Right. It, that it, makes it, a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It isn't in, you really have to look at your business model. What are the strengths and weaknesses of it? And then how do we use social or mobile or big data to bolster it or to, to counterbalance our weaknesses? All of the effective companies start with an understanding of business and the business model. One example after another, that's the logic that works. Not sitting down trying to think up uh, a cool advertising video. Right. Yeah, that's right. And that's the bit. And so I guess that leads me to my next question, which is, um, so we're, we're you know, starting to move into the emotional sphere. And we have this question all the time with story too, which is um, how do you keep it honest and not make it about manipulation? Like how do you maintain an honesty about your approach and a trans and the transparency in the face of competition and um, you know, the, the bottom line is to sell stuff. Yeah. And in the book, I talk about the three different models that, most companies adopt one of the three. And, and the pinnacle is really what we think of as a hub-and-spoke model or a disseminated model. Uh, you know, the, in the language of the book, I'm saying, look, you're integrating these things into your core objectives, people, processes. And, the, and that brings to life a certain honest transparency because your social media practitioners or everyone in marketing or digital marketing, at least, is functioning as what I call a content conduit. Because they themselves don't really understand deeper uses of products or services that can really help consumers. Now, you would think they, they do because let's say you, you run a campaign on Instagram and you say, send us your most creative um, product in use shots, you know, almost like you talked about the insurance company, people watching the video. You, yeah. You're seeing this more and more. So you would think these practitioners are seeing, wow, that's something that we never thought they would use our product in that way. But the problem is they really don't know exactly what is the primary or constant use of the product, so they can't find the anomalies. If they were to take those use cases and funnel them down to a product manager or a researcher, uh, an R&D engineer, something like, someone like that, even a salesperson, you would be moving that conduit from your most passionate consumers via social into the people that need it in order to make decisions about Where's our place in the market? What new features do we need to add? What's our price? What's our differentiators? And now those people would learn, would be able to tell the social practitioner, go get me information on this. This would be really helpful for us. Now you're connecting experts who understand what your products and services really stand for directly to consumers. And it's, it's like that annoying consumer that just won't give up and they demand they talk to somebody important. When they do talk to somebody important, they get real answers, real information, and they feel better. Even if they don't always like the answer, they get something factual that's deeper than just the customer service rep answer. Yeah. And that's what you have to do, but you can do it so much easier because you're working using t technology and all the different social platforms. But 
digital marketing, the analysts do need to be in the middle to control it, to make sure you're using each platform um, the way the user base wants it to be used. There are things that do have to be controlled as an intermediate. That's why they're a good conduit. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the idea of them being conduit because, again, it's unfair for a company to rely on their social media person front end or even their marketing people for all of the information about, you know, when especially when we talk about, you know, if they're not working in an integrated way. So if we do think about the social media um practitioners and the marketing folks as conduits for content that does put a pressure on us to go get content somewhere else and I love that and so that's the piece again for me around story is front end we can hear stories about um, you know how consumers are using our products that comes through goes to the people like you say the experts in the company who either further develop the product or um, you know say yeah that's that's a great usage and then it comes back out through a story as well so you know the the it is a two-way conversation and it's a constant one and then internally it's a 360 so david thank you so much that's that's really helped in terms of um get a a deeper understanding of where um social can be integrated into business so um i just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today um really appreciate you being here no thank you it's been a lot of fun i appreciate it too okay tell us tell us the name of your book and where we can get it well, Big Social Mobile, uh, you know, hopefully those buzzwords stand out to everyone, and the easiest place to go is either to Amazon or BigSocialMobile.com. Right, and I highly recommend it. If you want to start thinking deeper about how we use social media, this is the book to get. Thanks again to David. So next week, I'll be taking a break for summer holidays, but I have a very special encore presentation for you. We are going to be replaying my chat with Annette Simmons, author of The Story Factor, and whoever tells the best stories wins. If you've not heard that chat, I highly recommend it, so stay tuned next week. Annette is one of the biggest storytelling experts in the world, and the show is called How to Inspire and Influence with Story. And don't forget to sign up for my weekly story blast at verygoodstories.com you get story coaching tips resources and a story from me so story powered is on every tuesday at 1 p.m eastern time and 10 a.m pacific on the voice america business channel thanks for joining me liam pico and story powered i will see you next week with more story thank you for joining us this week for story powered Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level. 